When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? To issue a shutdown statement, and she's done that. What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. This memorandum falls. Unfortunately, we don't have any indication that Congress will act in time for the President to sign a continuing resolution before the end of the day tomorrow, October 1st, 2013. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. That's what she said. Agencies of government are in the process of closing down. It now appears that the House is not going to do anything to keep the government from shutting down. They've got some jerry-rigged thing about going to conference. It's, it's, Madam President, it is embarrassing that these people who are elected to represent the country are representing the Tea Party, the anarchists of the country, and the majority of the Republicans in the House are following. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria! here? Um, I don't think so, because there was a huge government shutdown, like the entire government, from what I hear, shut so down. So the internet must be shut so down, the internet because must the be government controls the... Right, so we're sitting here staring at each other. Right now, by the way, that was one of the best intros, <laughs> I think, that Thank you. we've had on this show. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Uh, good friends from the Ghostbusters helping us to add uh, a little bit of depth into and Harry I've got my, And I've got my BFM, I've got my Bill Murray shirt. Which is huge. On right now. It's absolutely huge. Welcome to the Government Shutdown. This is the Sackheads Radio Shutdown Show, as we like to call it. The October the 2nd, 2013. 
the one time a week where you're going to get the actual story with a hell of a lot of comedy because we're awesome like that, and there's no stopping us, just saying. Hey, do you think that the NFL is in bed with the government? And the reason I say that is you know how they have that whole shutdown corner yes. thing going on? I'm wondering if, if perhaps now maybe there's no cornerbacks I, I, uh, in the NFL this week because of the shutdown. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking so. I'm Except for the so. Patriots, just because of the very name, right. they would have to rebel against that, right? <laughs> Dude, I feel bad. I went to print out one thing, and our printer's been screaming for the last 20 minutes straight. <laughs> I have no idea what's even coming out of this thing. Although I mean, I'm on there's... the fifth reel of paper. I printed out the Obamacare law. What? Okay. <laughs> so, I when they said it was simple, I figured it'd be, what, 10, 12 pages? How hard could it be? Well, of course it's... Ream number four. <laughs> 500 pages apiece. <laughs> what is this you handed me? Like, it's I have a tablet. any idea how to use this thing. You swipe your finger. I just... what I sw- yeah, It's like well, an iPad, it's, but it's a tablet. But it's completely different. It's There's nothing's happening. I'm going to throw this thing. <laughs> well, the, the problem is you have, to be, you have to be one-tenth as smart as the technology. Right. So... Eh, sorry about Look, that. I'm making like a nice design go against the screen or whatever. Oh, I had to swipe it the other way. There you go. That makes no sense. I thought Obama shut that down too. <laughs> he practically did. <laughs> so, in about 30 minutes. No, uh, no, 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 no. 26 minutes. Are you ready for the playoffs? I am. I am so ready for the playoffs. I, I am excited. Um, Tampa won last night, so that's gonna be uh, that's going to be fun for us. Yes. And uh, hopefully we won't screw that up, which I doubt we will, because, well, you know what? Tampa's been a 2-14. and 14. For every two games they win, they lose four this year. So they eked into the playoffs, and hopefully, for my Red Sox, that, that bodes well. Well, Oakland has Detroit. Yeah, that's going to be a Friday. grand fest. They oh. were 4-3 and three, yeah. uh, on, on the year for the for the series between the two. So, I, it's uh, going to be interesting. Uh, even though Detroit lost a few players to the uh, – Johnny Peralta there to the steroid. They picked up actually from us and Glacius, who is a heck of a shot, shortstop, and he's been swinging a gut. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, you guys will have, I think you guys have the tougher series than we do right now. Um, yeah, and then and then after hopefully Oakland wins and hopefully the Red Sox win, then you guys will have a real tough series in front of you. It will um, be. It'll be. I think it'll be a good series. It'll, it'll be a hopefully. great series. It's going to be hoping. good playoffs. Good playoffs this year. Of course. So if that happens. Now, if there is an Oakland Athletic Boston Red Sox National League Championship Series, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that there will not be a show. The if week it's after on a Wednesday, series. yeah, because one of no us what, will one not of us be, is be too angry, aggravated, to... right, and won't be able to look each other in the eyes <laughs> at all. It will be really uncomfortable. I, uh, I just hope it happens the week of the twenty fifth, because I'm supposed to be going away that week, and it'd be a good reason to miss the show. So we'll see what happens. Right, and, and, and hopefully it happens and Oakland wins so that I can be happy enough to do a show solo, perhaps. Hey, yes. yeah, that, that would probably happen. You might hear me calling drunk crying, but other than that, it won't have anything to do with the show, that's right. for sure. <laughs> so much to talk about tonight. Like what? There's nothing going on in government right now, literally because it's shut down. Like the whole government is shut down. The, uh, the entire thing. I don't think Congress can even meet. No. Um, the president can't well, even present. Well, and here's the thing: is non-essential employees like elevator operators, door openers, et cetera, et cetera. Congressmen, senators. Well, 
the non-essential, which right, they should they be should, non-essential, right, but they, they are non-essential. They're they're deemed essential for some stupid Whatever. reason. But I don't know how Harry Reid and those guys are getting in the building. No people to open the doors. No elevator button pushers. Nobody to get. Yeah, how food. are they getting coffee? How are like they nobody to bring them coffee. Right? Did you know Harry Reid is that douche? Who, when you walk up to an elevator and you step in and he's in there, he looks at you and says, 17? And you're like, dude, I, I don't work in the elevator. Yeah, then push the button. He's like, no, you don't, because I'm more important than you are. I'm just saying. that's a, so. No, listen, if they were more important than us, then we would have a ruling class and they would be subject to different laws than the rest of us. And that clearly isn't. No, that is going on right now. Name one thing. The exemption. From Obamacare. Uh, I meant other than that. Sorry, the subsidy, as they like to call yeah. it. Yeah. It's not a true exemption. It's a subsidy, but it's a exemption. Joke. <laughs> if they now, if if non-essential employees, right? Because the president doesn't have to pass any kind of budget or anything, so he's non-essential at this point, correct? Right. And he we, we're not become essential until he has to sign something. Right. Are we Are we fighting a war or anything? Right now, I mean, not really. Not really. Nobody's declared war on anybody, right? So he should pretty much be well, a private citizen. Somebody's declared war on the Tea Party, I think. Oh, no, no, no. We were just called jihadists. That's all. No, we were called jihadists. It's, yeah. It's totally different animal. Not a big, and there's uh, Nunez out of California, the congressman, yeah. said that well, his he name the Tea Party, he, but he no. said a small faction. 10%. Temper, yeah, 60 out of... Uh, 431? Uh, 435. 435, sorry. 60 are Tea Party caucus uh, members in the House, so 10%. Yeah, it's a small faction. Uh, it called them, uh, well, said it's like a, a suicide vest. You know, we, we've we been talking a long, uh, suicide vest, and then that Democrat jackhole calling a, a Tea Party jihadists are equating them to. Yeah. Um, I... I Hang on a second. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm reading Article Two of the Constitution. I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to make Obama's case for him that it says that he should be the supreme leader of all legislation and and so forth. So that's what I'm looking for. Go ahead, talk. Go ahead. I'm just looking. Well, we had a huge. I'm bumming through. We had a huge breaking news thing this week, and I I, I thought I had a uh, a breaking news music that I could play. Um, this is this is as close as it's gonna get. Okay, so allegedly CNN is shopping around to get rid of uh, Pierce Morgan. To get rid of Pierce Morgan? To get rid of Pierce. I have a theory. Clearly, CNN feels threatened by the Sackheads Radio Show. I because think so. listen, I I think that they are trying to get rid of Pierce Morgan, so that we have. Nobody, or at least one less major jackass, to talk about, and it would take away some of the humor that we inject it's, it's into an otherwise fear. serious situation. Clearly, CNN is afraid of us. I, I, what, what do you think? I think we should start a petition to keep Pierce to Morgan. save Pierce Morgan. I agree, because honestly, half the time he does the work for us. I mean, it's not like it's not like he really bolsters the Democrat argument. He just Rewords mouthpiece movements and then is, is pretty much a jackass. Right, and, remember and Yorktown. System shutting down. Weirdest thing in the world. And, and uh, we're back. It's funny how we talk about the shutdown. And we got shut oh, down. I cannot. Listen, I know we do. <laughs> we do occasional stunts on the show. I'm not going to lie. We make jokes. and 
we don't do this, but it almost like clockwork. When we touch on a sensitive subject, we get shut down. Our Skype goes dead. Our connection goes dead. Our interface to the show, and, and we have to reboot it. Now, I can tell you from working in this office on a regular basis in our studio in our office, our internet connection is ridiculously reliable. It never ever drops. It never goes down. System shutting down. Did as, you hear that helicopter? As I was saying. I didn't because it was stealth probably. As I was saying, it, <laughs> Rooster just brought up a good point in the chat room. Apparently the NSA are essential employees. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You know what's an essential? System shutting down. If this happens again, Bunker 27 on the south Listen, side of the hill. If this happens again, uh, all listeners initiate Sackhead Protocol 27. <laughs> And if you're our listeners, you know what that means. Again, Sackhead Protocol 27. The crow has flown at the blue dawn. Fortunately, I scheduled this episode to go a little long so we can make up these couple minutes. This only happens when we talk, or, or it's scary to me, <laughs> Roosters yelling Wolverines. It only happens when we talk about very specific things. And it's a repeated You're pattern. sounding like a... Darn conspiracy theorists right now. Clearly, the listen, is, clearly Blog Talk Radio goes through some kind of government site, and they've been furloughed because of the shutdowns. Well, this is the fault of the Republicans, Sean. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> you know, I... Notice how we're staying on since I said that? It's weird. It's weird, right? It's almost like they know. <laughs> um, Hang on, let's do a test. I love George Washington. Uh, do we disconnect? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, We're there. Okay. Good. So this only happens every once in a while, but this bites me in the rear because what did I say a couple weeks ago? By October 1st, I wanted to be off BTR. Here it is October 2nd, and we're having issues. Yeah. They're going to find us no matter where we are. <laughs> Until we launch Which our satellite. Which second protocol was it? 27. 27. So listen, listen, it's been initiated. Um they kind of forced the hand. I'm not responsible for. <laughs> so back to Piers. Piers Morgan's leaving us, thank goodness. I mean, God, does that sound a little overhappy? No, listen, I'm. I don't want him to leave. I don't want. He to is leave. so good, and 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 <laughs> I love just trying journalism at its finest. Get on Twitter or anything else. Remember Yorktown. Um, I just. It's upsetting. It truly is upsetting. Well. Like I said, we should say, oh, what's it, petition.gov? What's the government petition website that, for whatever reason, the government pays to allow people to petition? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I just I just completely lost my mind because I just put two and two together. Uh, Listen, no, hear me out on this. Okay. Have you ever seen Obama and Sacco in the same room? No. That's I'm just saying. Good point. I sound engineer Sacco. Yeah. I, you know and what? have you noticed that every time we shut down, he's not here? That is weird. Have you ever seen any member of the NSA and Sacco in the same room together? No, I have not. So I think an average person would deduce, based on that alone, that we are out of our damn minds. That we are out of our damn minds. Something's not right. Something is not right. So in 11 minutes or so... <laughs> 
our good friend Greg Phillips from Boaters Trust is going to be joining us. If the government allows If the government and, uh, lets his cell phone work. If anyone else down. has a question, or you can 347-205-9399. It's tonight's show. Sako is here, and uh, so you can call in and talk to him on the phone line. You can also Skype with us if you're listening through the Blog Talk interface. And Look, I want to I talk about a couple things, and I know we'll get more into this um, with Mr. Phillips when he calls in. Um, but a government shutdown. First of all, a couple things that I take umbrage with is uh, the, the following. You, you have the uh, – I, I like how – I don't like it, but Harry Reid and Obama's re- refer to it as the, the Republican uh, government shutdown. Right. Have you, have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, no, it's ours. Like the Republican shutdown. It's, I believe it's the – Like they wish the Republicans would shut down. I think it's the Republican Jihadist Tea Party shutdown is what they officially call it now. Is that, that's the official I think that's You the can official Google name. that, and I'm pretty sure – Something will pop up. What's funny though is it's actually a, a partial shutdown. Yeah, it's it's I think like what forty percent is remaining open roughly, but then they a little shut, bit more too. I think I think it's more. They than shut 40%. things down like the World War II Memorial, which is open air, it takes no staff, <sighs> but we'll just shut that down and not let the vets in. And you know, I bet you that's one of those things where volunteers they get volunteers to come in and do like the trash pickup and the sweeping and stuff like that. It's not staffed. Um, it, it's not manned. Even if they didn't want to put the lights on at night, which would be a security issue or whatever, I can understand that. But to shut it down. You know what I think is funny? That generation defeated Nazi Germany. And they thought this was good. They saw, right, and they thought like a, a barricade and some barric- yellow tape is going to Metal barricades and caution tape are going right. to slow them down. Right. They've been, through, hell Constantine. They They've been through Constantine wire and <laughs> – and, uh, and, and they literally stormed the beach getting uh, just awful, awful, and they thought that was going to do it. Hey, listen, you know, I like like the 80-something-year-old guy in a wheelchair. Screw this. <laughs> just rolled right through. <laughs> you know, classy. This is classy on the administration. You want to prove a point, shut down something that's never really – that's open 24-7 and takes no staffing, and do it when you know – you knew there was an honor flight coming up from Mississippi to see that World War II memorial. You knew They knew it was coming. It was on the news. Everybody knew it was coming. You can't tell me that that wasn't to make the Republicans look like they shut down the damn memorial against World War II vets. How, who the hell does he think he are to use them as a pawn? Wait, wait, wait. Who, who do he think he yeah, are? Who do he think? He are. He are. I don't even know what you just said right now. I'm pissed. I can tell that. You get you're so cute when you get flustered. You need a hug, right now. You Seriously, know, no. Listen, you have grandfathers. You have something right there. Let me get that for you. World War II vets. One in the Atlantic, one in the Pacific. They've both since passed. They did not get to see the World War II memorial. It is a big deal. No, it is. And it, it, listen, it, when you're going to use that as leverage to prove your damn political point, will you put the steak knife down? I didn't do anything to prove any kind of point right now. My grandfather was a Pearl Harbor survival. Yes. Fought in Guadalcanal. Uh, his brother was a bombardier on a B-17 crew. Um, it was, the, in fact, the greatest generation. And uh, my grandmother was a radio operator at Bellows Field, which was on the island of Oahu also. Um, and, and I agree. Shutting down a memorial, it's, it's just – it's so low class. I don't even I, – I don't even it's want, a new want level. to talk about it right now. It's a new level. It's like stealing from the family's – Family house burns down at Christmas time, and the people that go in and burglarize it, well, it, like after the fire, yeah, 
It's like that. But it's not even regular looters. It's like a special place in hell type of looters. And, and that's what this is to me. This is this a special place in hell. And I don't have the list of names of the Republican members of Congress. Michelle Bachman. I, I know Michelle was one of them. There was, a, there was more to it that went over and assisted in reopening the gates. Um, there were some of the World War II, uh, the honor flight guides that assisted. I know some of the veterans themselves assisted. And they, they basically stormed the memorial. They basically stormed the memorial. And I guess a couple of And I think somebody yelled out, let's treat this as Normandy. I think somebody, I don't know for sure, don't quote me on that, but I think somebody well, and said that. The other folks, too, who in the, they dispatched the U.S. Parts Police. Because it was a shut-down government prop, uh, property, blah, 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 blah. And then they said, ooh, Unfortunately, the U.S. Parks Police did exactly what I had hoped they did when I heard they stepped aside. Yep. Yeah, we're not Go right in, boys. this one. Just my job to get here. I didn't say I had to do anything when I got here. Yep. Let me help move that gate for you. All right. So that, you know, out of, believe me, the shutdown, we're going to go into all that. Obamacare, we're going to go into that. But for me, that was the absolute most tasteless thing that has occurred out of all of this. I think a lot of it is, and I want to kind of get back. Please. That was... Sorry. It's okay. Are you all right? Yeah, it's just... You feel better now? I'm mad. Okay. I need, I, need to, I need to pull you back in here, um, because we were talking about how they're trying to pin this on the Republican yes, Party. Yes, I think I'm out. I know. They're, you they're pull wrong. me back in. <laughs> uh, essential services to public safety are not shut down. The military is not shut down. Veterans Affairs is not shut down. Law enforcement's not shut down. I think the DOJ has a partial shutdown. Hopefully, Eric Holder goes to. Yeah, I hope he's furloughed. Really he was not We're going to get shut down again. Speaking of shutdowns, Sackheads Radio was shut down, but we found our own funding a few times. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to point something out that the that fact that we don't get government funding. We don't get government kidding. funding at all. <laughs> I want to point out three, something. The House yeah. passed. They're not doing their job, right? Right. They haven't passed anything. No, they're, they're not just... doing anything. Last time I, I, I want to hang on. I've been keeping score. Last time I looked, they were just flying paper airplanes around the, the chamber. They were, and calling and, and calling uh, Republicans jihadists. The House actually scored. I've been keeping score, and it, the score is is three to zero. The House passed, I believe, three um, versions fully funding the government, and the Senate passed zero. The Senate, the Senate, the Senate did not. Um, or, or accepted zero of them, right? So what you're saying so, is that the House is up 3 nothing on the Senate? That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's what I said, 3-0. The House passed, they fully funded um, the government, but they said, hey, we will defund Obamacare. The Senate said, no. Sorry, that's too much. The House came back and said, okay, we, under, we understand that that's too much. So we will fully fund the government. But listen, Obamacare has so many problems. The president himself has uh, given exemptions and pushbacks and so forth, by the way, which is um, illegal. He, he can't do. He cannot circumvent uh, the, the law by himself. He's not a dictator as much as I think he, he likes to act as one. So they said, listen, with all these problems, and as we've seen when the exchange is open, there are problems, let's delay it one year. We're not saying we're going we're gonna to defund it. We're good not saying we're going to repeal business. it right now. Good enough for yeah. Let's just roll back the individual mandate. For one year. The Senate said no. That's not reasonable. That's not reasonable, really, because completely completely defunding it obviously wasn't reasonable, so it's not ready, and it's not reasonable. Okay, fine. So the House then passed another bill stripping stripping out the, the exemption, 
um, for, for Congress people and the president. Basically, hey, you know what? We all um, should, should fall under the same laws, which we're, we're supposed to, right? We're, we're supposed to. The president we all just supposed citizens? to operate. Yeah, they're not supposed to operate at a different level than the rest of the citizenry. We're not supposed to have a ruling class, but apparently um, we do now. And the Senate rejected that as well. So I want to know when when they're talking about compromise, what is it they want? And, and basically the, the Dems are saying, no, we're not going to pass anything unless you pass exactly what we want, which is fully funding the government at all levels with nothing else attached to it. That's what we want, and that's all we're going to accept. That seems compromise. I, mean, that's, I think when one side – it certainly screams compromise to me when you have one side – that's willing to give and take a little bit and maybe work with the other side and come to a happy conclusion and the other side that doesn't want to negotiate at all. That, to me, that's compromise, right? And, and now there are 12 Republicans in the House that are, trying to get, that are starting to get weak. And Nunez out of California is one specifically. I Vote him out. Um, especially when that knucklehead uh, comes on there and, and talks about the Tea Party without naming them specifically. Hey, um, Nunez, if you're listening, feel free to call in. Yeah, we'd love to, love to talk to you. You jackass! Um, but when when you when you when you say something like that, Congressman Jackass. Congress, no, I'm not even going to call him Congressman Jack. He's a jackass. And and what he, I watched his comments on Fox News um, this morning, and when he was talking about it, he was talking about this small faction um, that was holding up the party, and that concerned me because it's not up to. Any anybody in in Congress, I, I don't care if you're if you're Tea Party, if you're a Republican, whatever it is. And yes, I did just refer to the Tea Party as if they're a separate they're a separate entity. We'll get into um, that later. We'll get into that later, hopefully. But listen, they're representing their constituents. Yeah, it, it is their job. Whether you to, to, whether you want whether you like it or not, it's their job to fight for their constituents. It's not their job to sacrifice um, their principles. For the good of the party, they're fighting for their principles for the good of the nation. And listen, I would say the same thing about Democrats also. As much as it irritates me, especially the progressives, because then then we get we can get into a constitutional argument for a lot of the things they want to do. But if you have um, any member that is acting within the Constitution that is pushing. And look, you can still compromise, but if, if you're pushing and, and your argument is, well, it's not good for the party, that's not that, an argument. That's a problem. That's, that's not, not an, an argument. argument. Because, again, we shouldn't be having this discussion for the good of a party. We should be having this discussion for the good of the nation. The, the, the Democrats shouldn't be fighting for the, the Democratic Party. They should be fighting for the good of the nation. And, and what concerns me is the straight party line votes we get. Yeah, that concerns me a lot. Uh, we're up against a break. We are up against a break. When we, we come, come back, back, we have a lot to talk about. We do, and Greg's going to join us. Greg Phillips from Voters Trust, Jump Vote, pretty much everything awesome Greg is a part of. So he'll be with us here after the break. Which is why we have Radio. Black Heads Radio. Well, yeah, doy. If you care about what's going on in the world, you cannot afford to miss my show. Hi, this is Andrea Kay, your host of The Andrea Kay Show. It's not always about the money. Okay, it is always about the money. 
but it's also about politics, pop culture, and you. The only thing street about this show is the smarts. There's a reason they call me Dynamite and Address, and you'll find out why when you listen Tuesday mornings at 10 on Financial News and Talk. Hello, I'm Paul, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is my professor, Dr. Larry Arn, on the separation of church and state. America's founders believed in the separation of church and state, in that the country was not to have an official religion or an official sect. But that did not mean that government was to be hostile to religion, or even indifferent to religion, as many today argue. In fact, America's founding document, the Declaration of Independence, includes both a reference to God as the author of the laws of nature, and a confident assertion that human beings are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Far from being hostile or indifferent to religion, America's founders understood the theology of the Declaration to be an essential part of the education of citizens. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. How you doing? John Grant here. When I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcasts on the 405radio.com. Hey folks, it's Sean from Sackheads Radio. As a native Bostonian, my heart broke on April 15, 2013, watching those horrendous attacks at the Boston Marathon. Now there's a way that you can help. Go to onefundboston.org, O-N-E-F-U-N-D-B-O-S-T-O-N.org, where you can donate to help the victims and families from this awful attack. Onefundboston.org, all the proceeds will go directly to the victims' family. Thank you very much from Sackheads Radio. Now back to Clinton Sean on Sackheads Radio, radiating elegancy and quality. And we're back here on the Sackheads Radio Show. Your mom's back. Sorry, what? She is. She's back in Boston. No, I know. That's what I was talking about. Uh, I pointed to the map right behind me. (laughs) I appreciate you staying up on that. I'm really glad you know all the goings on with my mother on the East Coast. That makes me feel a lot better. We just had a 30-minute conversation on the ride into the office in production about this. Oh, I don't know how I do this every week and keep my sanity. I really don't. You know when you have to pray because nobody else will understand it? That When you have to go to that higher power because nobody on this planet could possibly comprehend what I go through with you, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Joining us right now, our good friend from Voters Trust, Greg Phillips is on the phone. Greg, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, guys. How are you all? Well, outstanding. You're very well. Hey, the federal government shut down. I couldn't be any better. You know, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> you hadn't heard that probably because uh, your phone lines and all media sources, which are run by the government anyways, um, aren't, they're shut down. So how could you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah as, as, I was, as I was saying, I'm pretty sure that, that my general blackout bled over onto you at the beginning of the show. So 
it, it wasn't you. It, it, it was the voters trust. I'm I'm confident. Lois Lerner has probably pulled the plug on all of us. Fortunately, she's going to retire, and God bless her, she's going to get a full pension out of all of this. Isn't that lovely? Don't you wish yeah. that you could pretty much target an entire group of people for political gain um, and, and get a pension? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I call it. It absolutely is. I, call, I called the Obamacare hotline yesterday and, and asked for her, thinking maybe she was there. She was retired. And they were a job as a, as a navigator or something, or the, the keeper of the navigator. <laughs> she's going to be some high-level appointee in the White House. Oh, yeah. she's. You watch. She's Isn't gonna... it amazing how many people in this administration, when they disappear, they end up going to other positions like Van Jones? Yeah. Right? It, it, Weird how it's uh, Cass Sunstein, his wife is now an ambassador to the UN. How is that it's even possible? Weird because nobody pays attention. Oh, that is just frustrating to me. Absolutely frustrating. You know well, what really worries me most is that we elect a Republican president eventually, and Lois Lerner will show up in that White House. You wait and see. Yeah, well, you know, it, nothing would shock me at this point at all, really. <laughs> Everything that's been going on this week and the fact that. There's so much infighting on the side of the Republicans. This should be a slam dunk. I can't imagine that these conservatives are so-called conservatives. Bless you, Sacco. Okay. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Do we have a mister on in here? I just got – I feel like I feel like Ray from Ghostbusters when he met Slimer for the first time. I'm like laying on the ground right now just covered in slime. He slimed me. What is that? Wow, show up late and you just contaminate the whole place. Wait, a, that's good for the show. That's good. That's really so. We will we'll be off next week. We're taking a sick day, and unfortunately, all of us lost Listen, our health care coverage. I'm claiming so. work comp. I'm going to get some federal benefits out of this. It's not shut down. But going into this, the shutdown itself, Greg. The right side. Well, hang on a second. What? Let's not be rude. What? Greg, would you like to update us on yeah. a jump boat, please? You know, you know, we are uh, really excited about where we've been during the fall, uh, uh, where we're heading uh, as we move into the uh, uh, 2014 election cycle. We're a little, uh, just almost exactly at 12 months until early voting starts in 2014. If anything happened during all of this shutdown and all the Obamacare nonsense, there, there seems to be a coalescing around the idea that we simply cannot survive without electing a more conservatives into the United States Senate. And as we move into 2014, if conservatives everywhere don't realize anything but that, uh, after all after all that we've been through and all the country's been through, that should be the one good take one great takeaway. And we're preparing to, um, uh, with the voters' trust and with some of the technology investments that we're making and, and um some of the uh, partnerships that we've developed, uh, we're going to be moving in a major way into several big states, and I hope uh, seeing a, a significant impact. Uh, you know, this, this whole – it seems to be in vogue again with the left to talk about the Tea Party again, and it, and it just – it makes me laugh because all it does is bring out more people into the Tea Party when, when people like Claire McCaskill – you know, take shots at at, at uh, we the people because in the end, the the Tea Party is more about we the people than it is about any party or anything else. Well, I agree with you. It's almost like every single time they try to pass new gun legislation, gun sales go through the roof. 
they kind of do the job for us sometimes. It's it's amazing to me. Hey, you know, I, I, if I didn't know any better, I would think Obama was getting a huge kickback from the NRA and gun makers because he is doing the best advertising job ever for guns and ammunition. Well, wasn't, he like, wasn't, he, wasn't he voted like best gun salesman of 2008 <laughs> I think he got the award for the greater Washington, D.C. gun salesman. Yeah. It was right next to his Nobel Peace Prize. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think somebody should somebody will probably send him a gold plated AR fifteen. He can he can put it over his fireplace or something. <laughs> uh, no, that's Jabby, a waste of a good AR. My immediate first thought was, what a waste of a weapon. Yep. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know what though, the gun owners are usually such gracious people that they still might do something like that. So you never know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm that. pretty sure I do. Um, do, do you think, uh, Greg, how do you think the shutdown, if at all, um, is going to affect the, uh, the the midterm elections coming up? I know um, last time this happened in 95, um, the Republicans lost some houses in the House, but they actually picked up a few houses in the Senate. Um, so I think short term, the thought was that it kind of hurt the party a little bit just because of the losses in the House. Um, but in the long term, uh, they felt that it was advant- ad- advantageous to them because now Clinton actually came to the table and uh, and uh, assisted with negotiations. What do you think about this time around? Yeah, well, I think the other thing that we got out of that was a balanced budget. Um, mm-hmm. and, and At least Clinton was well, talking about a balanced budget. Exactly. We we can we can fuss and whine and say we lost and all sorts of bad things happen and, and clearly folks like Newt Gingrich. Uh, you know, suffered a lot through all of that, but the reality is we we had the last balanced budget that we've ever had during that period of time. So if nothing else happened other than the same results, I think I'd be satisfied personally. Um, but, you know, the reality is that the, the, the world really is different now, right? Uh, I was talking to my son last night about this, who, who by the way, today is his birthday, just turned 16, and I happened to mention to him the fact that, that, that uh, you know, Twitter has just really changed the world and the way news is reported and all of that, and I just started reflecting about uh, about learning to type on a typewriter and how much more effective it is to get on my phone and type these things. And he said, typewriter? You, you learned to type on a typewriter? What do you mean? I, th- I thought that was from the 1940s. And I said, no, no, dude. No, he, he, even typewriters really did exist. Uh, but, but the point of it is that that you know the the communication tools that we had, well, they probably weren't exactly typewriters in 1995 and 1996. It also wasn't Twitter. Um, Twitter is alive right now. Twitter is alive with with folks that that had been sitting sitting down for a couple of presidential elections and just saying, I'm not going to vote for McCain. I'm not going to vote for Romney. Uh, these are the same folks that came alive in 2010 and really put uh, propelled us. Uh, in spite of the establishment's uh, dire predictions of loss and everything else, they propelled us into this majority that we're now taking advantage of. Um, so as I look at this, it's hard, it's hard to imagine that, that things are going to get a lot worse for our side. Uh, what may happen is we may elect some more conservatives in this, some of these moderates or some of these um, – uh, you know, folks that we're not quite sure where they are on our side may wash themselves out in, in next uh, next spring primary. 
But right now, I, I really don't feel that bad about where we are. No, I, I think this will boost. And like, like I made the, the um, Second Amendment joke earlier with guns, but at the end of the day... I never joke about the Second Amendment. What's wrong with you? I actually made a joke about the White House more than the Second Amendment. But at the end of the day... Don't it, put those two together. We're going to shut down again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw a black SUV drive by twice. You know, should I, I drive a black say, SUV. Should I go ahead and say thanks, guys? Uh, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> No, we just well, listen. We've already initiated Protocol Twenty Seven. Yeah, so that's all like, I'm saying. I can't say any more about it. That showed up uh, when I sent you the messages for tonight's show via pack Carrier Pigeon. That was part of the uh, dossier that was sent over. Right. Um, yeah, me, you have to go me and the board are having fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this brings me to an interesting point, um, and you brought it up, and I just want to. Twitter is almost like the new town halls. You know, people. With people working and separation and just so much going on in life now and they're tuned into everything, Twitter seems like an amazing way to go meet with a group of like-minded friends and discuss uh, um, ideas and candidates and candidates who may not otherwise get out there nationwide, even if it's a local election, but it's somebody you may want to watch or something to that effect. Twitter has become amazing. You know, we found out uh, we had Karen Harrington, who was running against Debbie Washman Schultz mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and we found her through Twitter. Mm-hmm. When she came on the show, she was very gracious. She unfortunately didn't win, and I'm hoping she gets back in this year because she should be there. But that that was one of those examples that we found a candidate out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, no, hang on, Florida. Sorry, sorry, Florida. sorry, listeners. <laughs> We got a candidate out of Florida, and we were able to uh, um, discuss ideas and have an open conversation that led to a great interview. She was outstanding. She was a wonderful person. Uh, um, but that sort of thing is happening more and more. Where it and the interviewers were outstanding, by the way. I thought the interview was top-notch. I mean, among the best I've ever heard. Nailed it. Front Every back, time. Inside and out, they nailed it, those two. I can't remember their name, but if I ever see them again, boy, am I going to pat them on the back. Um but do you feel that that's been a great help to get this message out? Uh, and I know it's a double-edged sword because it can work against you sometimes because things that go out on Twitter do last forever. Once it's there, it's not coming back. Yeah, we we uh, we, we certainly have uh, you know suffered the slings and arrows of some of those things not coming back. However, um, it doesn't have the feel of the little small echo chambers where there's four of us talking to three of us and. Um, the way it used to be, uh, you know, we have, you know, some, some great conservative voices, irritated women and others that are out, that are out pushing, um, uh, you know, a strong, consistent conservative voice. Uh, part of what came out of that movement uh, was Catherine Engelbrecht and the folks uh, at True the Vote. I mean, there, there have just been just, you know, tons of great stories of folks that have, that have emerged from the sort of the Tea Party uh, slash kind of Twitter movement, and and uh, people are really uh, uh, starting to listen in to some of this stuff, and it doesn't have the feel of that very small echo chamber that we had two or three years ago. Um, and I, I, I'm actually very optimistic that the sentiment uh, amongst folks that I'm interested in, and those are the, as you guys heard me say before, the indifference, people who just don't care, people that gave up, um, they're coming back now. They're saying, you know what, some Somebody grew a spine while I was gone, so I'm, I'm going to maybe come back in and see what I can do to, to, to support him and help him and, and uh, move this movement along. 
I think that's what we're going to see in 2014. I also believe that the reason you haven't seen a lot of polls come out uh, about this uh, shutdown is the numbers probably aren't what the Democrats would have liked for them to be. Um, they like they would have you believe that the whole world hates us and you know wants to piss on our shoes and, and move us along, but it's not happening that way. There, there, there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, this may not have been the best strategy move, um, but in the in the end, what we may end up with is a coalescing of people uh, that are ready to move this um, uh, ready to move this effort forward and move conservatives forward and. And, uh, you know, I think it further weakens the party, uh, uh, the Republican Party, that is. Uh, but, you know, I think at this point people are just shrugging and saying, so what? Who cares? You know, um, Nunez, Congressman Nunez out of California, unfortunately, um, but figures, came out and, and uh, basically he didn't call the Tea Party out by name. Uh, but he even alluded to the fact that there's a small faction within the party that's basically bringing the party down. And, and our, our line before the break was, look, it's not about parties, it's about the country. Um, we, we, we have issue with the, the two-party system anyways, like Washington warned us about. But my stance on it, and, and I, may, I, don't, I don't think so, but I may be in error in some people's opinion, is my stance is the House did due diligence. The House passed three bills, and each one was more of a compromise than the previous one. The first one, they did a fully funded the government, um, but they stripped funding for Obamacare. The second one, um, they fully funded the government, and they said, hey, let's just delay it for a year because it's not ready to go anyway, so why not just delay it like we've done for businesses, unions, these other things. And then the third one, they stripped out the uh, um, the exemption uh, for members of Congress and so forth. And each time, the Senate kicked it back saying, no way, not willing to compromise at all. So the House passed three different bills fully funding the government, and, hey, I can understand the first one getting kicked out of the Senate, but the second one I think is actually reasonable, especially with the issues we've seen um, with Obamacare uh, coming up. And the third one, definitely reasonable. I don't believe we should have a ruling class that uh, that is above the people anyways. They should be from the people. The other issue I, I have with it, so when, when Nunez came out and said that, he basically took responsibility um, for the, the partial shutdown and put it, not only on the Republican Party, but specifically on uh, the Tea Party, that unnamed faction he, he alluded to. The other issue I have is, is um, the, the scare tactics that Obama and, and Harry Reid and Pelosi are engaging in when they're talking about um, bargaining with the full faith and credit of the United States. This budget has nothing to do with the full faith and credit of the United States. That will come into play in a couple of weeks when we start having debt ceiling. Um, negotiations, and, and they're, they're freaking out over that also. Um, listen, they're talking about defaulting our debts and so forth. This partial shutdown has nothing to do with defaulting our debts, but I don't think that um, the, the mainstream public understands that. They just think that it's a budget, and so, of course, it has to do with paying our debts um, when, in fact, it does not. And we're talking about this. Listen, the, the debt ceiling was reached in May, and the U.S. Treasury – has kind of done some things, moved some things around in order to avoid default, and it's going to run dry um, middle of this month right around, which is why we're going to have this, this debt ceiling debate again um, coming up. And that's basically going to leave just cash on hand uh, in the Treasury to fund a nearly $4 trillion government. 
if that doesn't tell you government's big enough already, I don't know what is. And we're talking Social Security, Medicare, the military, veterans, contracts, you name it. Now, Asia holds, the Asian holdings, um, Japan, China, so forth, they have $5 trillion in foreign exchange reserves. About 60% of that is in U.S. dollars, which is invested in U.S. bonds and stocks, and that's according to the International Monetary Fund. Default's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal to them when they have 60% of that portfolio in U.S. bonds. The short-term default is not going to crush them. What's going to be a bigger deal to them is um, when the Fed tightens monetary policy. And so the fact that, that the Dems, Obama, Reid, and those, those clowns are using this as a scare tactic for the American people now is really dishonest, don't you think? Well, I absolutely do. Um, uh, not only is it dishonest, but the use of the word default in and of itself is dishonest. This country will never default on anything. Uh, the, the, the very definition of, of default would send shivers down the spines of, of all of those idiots up there. And the reality is what we're doing currently is spending $4 billion a day that we don't have. And if you add in the money that we borrow to buy our own debt, which is a Ponzi scheme that would have any one of us arrested and in jail if we cooked it up on our own, um, they buy approximately another $2 billion a day in our own debt with borrowed money. And so, so you're talking about five, six billion dollars a day that we don't have. And so at some point it just sort of becomes funny money. And if we ever came close to a default on any particular bond or any particular coupon on a bond, meaning we're not going to pay this, we're not going to pay the bondholders back, um, uh, they'll just print more money. So, so the, the idea that we're going to default is stupid. That's number one. Number two, if anyone else on the planet thinks we're going to default, they're sure not acting like it. The stock market's not selling off. The bond market's acting pretty good, considering what's going on. Um, you've got all sorts of other um, you know, indicators that suggest that that um, uh, the capital markets are simply saying, "Ho hum, they'll work this thing out." We've seen this. We've seen all this crap before, and, and they're going to work it. It's going to work itself out. But, but the idea that Obama would go on television and talk about America defaulting on its debt somehow related to this shutdown and Obamacare and whatever else is it, such a nonsensible argument that it, it's hard to imagine even Obama cooked this one up. I mean, Clinton might have been able to sell it to America, but Obama's not selling it. Nobody's buying this stuff. Well, Clinton could sell ice to Eskimos. That was almost the fault there. I mean, <laughs> so seriously, I'm, I, I can't imagine how many people walked into Clinton's office for a meeting and left without, you know, their wallet. With a bad taste in their mouth? Oh, uh, well. Well, I can, what? Uh, what? I was going to say without their wallet. And but, a stain you know, on their I mean, dress. <laughs> or sport coat, either way. I don't know. Hey, whatever he likes, right? This or even a right? Right. Right. <laughs> Who wouldn't like a nice cigar? Right. Hey, look what I can do with this cigar. This, this guy is no Bill Clinton. No, light it. Not, Go ahead, light it. I'm not one to give Bill Clinton more credit than he ever deserved. I mean, he he, he lied under oath, and to me that, that says a lot about his character and the fact that you go into his whole history. But Bill Clinton at least could communicate, and he could get, as we spoke about early, get both sides to the table. Obama can't do that. He's almost gotten to the point where he's gotten what he's wanted so much that now he's getting pushback. 
He's stamping his feet, and he's refusing to do what he needs to do, which is convince both sides to have a logical agreement, an intelligent conversation. He doesn't. He shouldn't be imposing what the outcome should be. That's not his job. His job is part of the administrator and part of the CEO, if it's a company, so to speak, is to get people to that bargaining table and have them come together and work out what ideas they can and then pass it through Congress and it shows up on his table, then he makes his decision whether or not he wants to sign. Hang on, I'm reading Article 2 of the United States Constitution. <laughs> For those of you in Washington, D.C., that actually talks about what the presidential powers are, the executive, and uh, no, that's not his job either. It's weird. I don't. It's, he, his part, for as important an office he has, according to him, his Article 2 only has three sections. Yeah. And the first section talks about basically how he's going to be chosen. It's the longest. Um, he has the commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he can make treaties upon advice and with the consent of the Senate. Uh, he can appoint ambassadors and other public ministers and from time to time give Congress information on the State of the Union. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's all he's supposed to be doing. So, no, I don't think it's his job to bring everybody together. I mean, it's a nice gesture if he can get people to work together, well, it, but it's not his job to dictate policy no, to dictate, the legislature. Not dictate. What I'm which saying, is what he's doing. Right. I will not negotiate. Right. When he that's says a, that, he is outside of his depth. Absolutely. And outside of his and, and that's something outside that, of the law. And there are people here that are hailing him for that. Oh, he's such a great leader and all. This, no, that's tyrannical. As much as you may not want. As soon as you. Like the Rex. Yes. Really. Little arms, Short and, arms everything. and everything. <laughs> Peanut sized brain. Um, <laughs> but as soon as you start making statements like that, that's the problem. That's a serious problem. Listen, I'm obviously because, an extremist. Yes. Because are, I. I we are extremists on this show. Right. Um, but what that says to the Democratic Party and Harry Reid, and I know he has conversations with them one-on-one, is, hey, you know what? I'm behind you 100%. Don't negotiate. Make them look like the jerks. Make them look like the a-holes. But, but he's not saying that. He's coming out on, on, on TV and in interviews saying, I will not negotiate with. Right. He, Terrorists. No, a Congress. Well, well, Republicans. But, the same thing but I, think that right. Stan, I think that stance, guys, is going is to drive his numbers further down on this point, and it's actually going to help our side. Look, the, there's one thing the American people understand. Look, we've been shutting down government for a long time. I mean, it happened to Ford and Carter and Reagan and, and Bush. And first before, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just over and over and over. It happens. Uh, but every single time, those guys come to the table and try to work it out, and and uh, no matter who it is, they're, they're at least willing to bring everybody to the table and say, hey, we got to solve this problem. And, and you know, Obama, you know, he's, he's proven to be uh, sort of a narcissist and a bit of a loner. Um, and and as, as that begins to take hold and as Obamacare begins to fall apart, um, you know, it's really hard for that type of a personality to, um, to recover. I mean, they're going to have a really hard time dealing with them. They're going to send him out to golf more. They're going to get him out of the country. They're going to get him out of town. They don't want him in front of the American people. It's driving down his numbers. It's driving down Obamacare's numbers. And along with that big pile of crap Harry Reid, I just I can't imagine that America is not just saying, wow, what, what have we done? 
Hey, Greg, now I just want to make something. You don't have to hold back on this show. You can feel free just to go ahead and say it how it is. So if you feel heavy, Harry Reid is a big pile of crap, feel free yeah. to say so. We've, yeah, like, we've seen a jack of crap. Yeah, you can throw steaming in there. I mean, use some colorful words to really paint a picture for our listeners. Remember, yeah, they have no I, visual cues. I used the word I used the word slimy pile uh, earlier today on Twitter, and, and I got some got some interesting feedback on that. So I you know what he's like. I think, I think we referred to him as Chet before from from Weird Science. <laughs> I, 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 him and I think Mongo from Blazing Saturdays was another good one too. I think that would be a good analogy. Listen, you want to talk about, and I say to people all the time, you want to talk about a scumbag politician who absolutely has an agenda and will slash everybody who gets in his way. Show him Harry Reid. He is the perfect two-faced politician. He has that soft-spoken voice, quiet, easy. We were talking about this earlier. He intentionally speaks in a cadence that makes yeah. it difficult to do sound bites on him. He has long pauses intentionally. But really easy to light some candles and, like, put on some smooth jazz. Yeah. <laughs> He's like David Allen. Good time match with Harry Reid. You know, but what he says, the words that come out of his mouth behind that frail, almost Mr. Burns type of demeanor is complete evil. And just spiteful and mean and just he has no respect as much as he loves to say my friend when he's there in front of um, uh, uh, Congress. I'm talking about Boner. I'm sorry, Boner. Yeah. I apologize. Boner. But what he says after that is the most, A, unprofessional. The fact that he would call another legitimate political party that was elected by the people of this country extremists. Anarchists. Anarchists, and like I said before, and I know we're up against a break, but if a member of the Tea Party called Harry Reid or Nancy Pelosi an outright socialist on the congressional floor, there would be people calling for their heads. And the fact that this is allowed to happen, and little rights there from the head of the GOP who does nothing, and he is, I'll tell you, we thought the uh, the last guy was bad. I think Reince is worse. He does zero. He he does nothing to get people riled up and uh, work for the same cause. It is out of control, and shame on the GOP at large for letting that happen without coming out and saying, hey, you know what, all this aside, who the hell are you to call our elected officials and their constituents Americans extremists just because they have a different political view as you? And that's not happening, and that is really getting me angry. And to call them anarchists, first oh. of all, how uneducated do you have to sound to call somebody an anarchist when they, in fact, do believe in government, just a limited form? Oh, yeah, of. And, and Pelosi, him, everyone on Whereas if side. you call one of them a socialist, it's true because you can pull up facts facts and their agenda and point out similarities even between the Communist Manifesto. Well, but we'll get there. Yeah, let's take a break. Uh, I, I want to go on this tirade after I get back from the break. Greg's going to stick around with us. We'll be back in a minute here on Sackheads Radio. If you care about what's going on in the world, you cannot afford to miss my show. Hi, this is Andrea Kay, your host of The Andrea Kay Show. It's not always about the money. 
Okay, it is always about the money, but it's also about politics, pop culture, and you. The only thing street about this show is the smarts. There's a reason they call me Dynamite and Address, and you'll find out why when you listen Tuesday mornings at 10 on Financial News and Talk. Hello, I'm Paul, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is my professor, Dr. Larry Arn, on the separation of church and state. America's founders believed in the separation of church and state, in that the country was not to have an official religion or an official sect. But that did not mean that government was to be hostile to religion or even indifferent to religion, as many today argue. In fact, America's founding document, the Declaration of Independence, includes both a reference to God as the author of the laws of nature and a confident assertion that human beings are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Far from being hostile or indifferent to religion, America's founders understood the theology of the Declaration to be an essential part of the education of citizens. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. How you doing? John Grant here. When I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcasts on the 405radio.com. Three. Two, one. Hey, this is Zach Ed Clint. I want to take this opportunity to thank all the wingnut leaders throughout the world to give our men and women of the armed forces a job, as well as all the anarchists, terrorists, and Occupy folks that give our men and women in uniform on the home front, firefighters, law enforcement personnel, and first responders, uh, job security here in the States as well. So thank all you wingnuts out there. This is Zach Ed Clint saying have a good day. Now back to Clinton Sean on Sackheads Radio, radiating elegancy and quality. And we're back here for the break with Greg Phillips from VoterStrust.com. So before I went to the break, I went on this tirade about how the Tea Party is being attacked. And we alluded to it earlier. We talked about it a little bit last week. Almost like Trayvon Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, man, there comes more hate mail. No, listen. I, I actually had to create a special server just for hate mail. You know that? Listen, if they can draw... Taco had to create it, but that's not the point. It I ordered them, If too. they can draw parallels to Trayvon Martin and anything from, like, police law enforcement stops now, then I can, too. And they're treating the Tea Party like Trayvon Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a hoodie tomorrow. <laughs> The Ted Cruz hoodie. You know what I like is you're really uncomfortable right now. It's a ride. Because you give me that like sideways, oh, geez, what kind of hate mail are we going to get in oh, the Because you don't read it. I have to read it. I don't respond to most of it occasionally. I, do. I think it's hilarious. I know you do. Listen, I, I have a whole wall. I screenshot it and print it and put it up. <laughs> hey, Greg, you want to hear the best tweet of the week so far? I do. This is from at Saks Filth Ave. Her name is Tramp, as she says on Twitter. She's classy. And tweeter, uh, 
Rooster from Conservative Outcry share this with us. It says, I'm sick of the government. I'm moving to California. F the U.S. Now that is what you call an educated <laughs> – where I I retweeted it. It's on our Twitter at Sackheads. If you want to check it out, that just shows you. <laughs> that just shows you that California is so far off the map <laughs> that every wingnut wants to flock there. <laughs> this is insane. This is a person who I can only imagine grew up in this country, right? You think they went to schools here? Would have paid attention. Um, you know, uh, so, my governor, Governor Perry, got in all kinds of trouble for talking about se- uh, secession, and uh, it sounds like she doesn't even need secession. She's just going to de- declaring them independent and free and moving on. But, you know, there's, there's reason to believe America might be better off, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> maybe she realizes, yeah, and maybe she realizes that California is so far out of the, uh, so far off the map anyways with everything else that, that's where she wants to be, a socialist paradise. Uh, what did I call it, United Socialist State of California? That's what my new reference for that is. Yeah. So we talked about the, the Tea Party attacks, and, and you and I ran some numbers early before the show, Clint, and we talked about um, the members of, of the Republican Party that essentially are Tea Party members. 60, 60 members in the caucus. We saw some saying 45 actually ran, ran off a list, and there were 60 on the list. So, and that is roughly, I think we said about eleven and a half to twelve percent right. of Congress. So that represents twelve percent of the country. Because I, I know the Senate gets to a state, but the House it specifically is based off of population and location. Correct, and it's capped at four thirty-five. Right. So you can. So the best we can surmise is that ten to eleven percent of the country is a Tea Party. Because you have a caucus that formed Tea Party caucus just formed in the Senate, which I've seen some numbers that say three, some numbers that say five. Right. So we'll, we'll estimate three to five. So you're looking at about three to five percent, um, but that's Senate. So, Greg, let me ask you this: Is it time, and do you think it's able for the Tea Party to actually step away from the Republican Party and stand on their own completely? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, here's what happens uh, in in the way that uh, Carl Rose and and Priebus and those type people uh, sort of maintain control of the party. Um, the, they, of course, understand the game better than everybody else. They raise money before everybody else. They recruit mm-hmm. their candidates before everyone else. And so by the time we wake up and conservatives and Tea Party type folks wake up and look around, well, they're already behind the game. So what's going to happen here is that we're going to be looking at primaries before we know it. Um, and you're going to have, I think what the tipping point is going to be, uh, rather than it being Tea Party folks taking on the establishment, I think that there is a very strong, uh, I have a very strong belief that the establishment is going to be taking on some of these uh, Tea Party congressmen and women, um, and, and it is going to cause an upheaval like we've never seen before. Um, how that coalesces in, into whether it, it separates or not, I don't really know. It's hard to tell. I, I still don't think there's enough of us out there to, you know, to, uh, to, to give, grab a majority. And so we've got to find some, you know, better ways to, to uh, position ourselves and maybe team up with the more libertarian types and understand that, that all conservatives are not alike. You know, we've got, uh, 
uh, foreign policy conservatives and social conservatives and fiscal conservatives and all sorts of different types of conservatives, and, and we need to learn to stop practicing the Karl Rove type of politics of division and start, you know, rallying around each other and just say, look, we may, we're not going to agree on everything, but we better step up and we better try to figure out a way to, to um, uh, you know, elect more of us. Uh, otherwise, we're going to end up with this same problem over and over and over again. And with the attacks now coming from our own party, it's going to become more and more difficult for Tea Party-type uh, candidates to survive. That's the import of, of uh, a good conservative, replicable ground game, and that's what uh, voters' trust is, is all about. Yeah, I, I may have set that question up on purpose. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and, and you brought up the libertarians, and, and I think this, <laughs> I think this is a, a, an amazing opportunity. Uh, you know, the libertarians, for some reason, listen. Everyone knows who the Tea Party is in, in this country. I think there are a lot of Tea Parties who are libertarian, right? Already, yeah. and I feel that that that's a match that is kind of made in heaven, if you will. Um, because they very much align. They they, they differ on some things because you, you definitely get some atheist uh, libertarians uh, like Penn Jillette, folks of that type. You get some libertarians that are uh, – um, But now he's conservative on, on Second Amendment issues. He's, he's conservative on almost every issue, mm-hmm. um, but he just he – just, he's an atheist, and that's his choice, and that – you know, yeah. I always say God bless him for being an atheist, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> overall – they are conservatives, and listen, not everyone's going to agree, like you said, on every single thing, but I think that's something that the Tea Party needs to do a good job of, is starting to reach out to libertarians and say, hey, you know what, we represent your values, and even though we, we may disagree on these smaller things here and there, our overall message is the same. The GOP's overall message is very different from that of the Tea Party and that of libertarians. And, and I think that if you can marry the libertarians and the Tea Party and you can convince both sides why it's beneficial, I think that – I don't know. We didn't do the numbers on what the libertarians make up in, in Congress, but there's some significant people that would be there. I think that would I, There's not a libertarian caucus that I know of, right. so I don't think we'd be able to pull that numbers. I mean we know Rand Paul, right. but he also identifies with a lot of Tea Party issues. Exactly. So, but I think you would start getting a lot more uh, conservative libertarian voters. Um, and one of the other things that I think will happen is libertarians are very good about communicating with each other. If you read Twitter, I mean, Tea Party are too, but libertarians, and it's almost because they have to do it under the cover of night, if you will. They have to have their secret meetings because for whatever reason, when people find out libertarians are out there, they think they're insane people which drives me crazy because they get smeared on a regular basis. But I, I think if you can get those libertarians to come out of the woodwork and actually vote and, and vote for a Tea Party and have the Tea Party represent their values as well, I think that would gather a lot of steam and, and really shock the GOP. And at this point, going into these elections, I think that's what's more important. Well, yeah, there, there, there's no doubt that we're going to uh, – need to start teaming up with folks that are that sort of think like we do and have some of the same ideas. I mean, we just need to get it out on the table right out of the gate. Look, we're not going to agree on everything, but we're going to agree on, on, on a lot more than everybody else. One of the inter- you make an interesting point about the libertarians and their communications. 
Um, we did a um, sort of a – I was involved with one of the big super PACs last year, and one of our projects when we were still in it was uh, something that we called Operation Moonstone. And what Operation Moonstone was designed to do was to really pull the covers off of what the, the GOP establishment was doing inside of the convention and delegate structure because that's mm-hmm. ultimately where they keep their – their their base moving and and they hold everyone hostage and basically hold guns. I guess we can't say guns to anyone's head anymore, right? Somebody will get right. No, yeah. don't, but, don't say that because yeah, the doesn't hold guns anymore anyway. So um, yeah, well, they, it, but, but they do. They get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're talking about guns again. Look, look, they they the libertarians, uh, particularly the Ron Paul people. What we learned through through the Operation Moonstone. Was, was that the libertarian groups had communicated not only well, but they had educated themselves in such a way that they actually knew more about the rules and more about the delegate, delegate structure and more about the structure of a convention than really anyone else that we've uncovered out there. And so we sought to, to um, uh, put together some of those um, uh folks with our folks to try to build something up. Now, it ended up, of course, falling apart. My guy got out of the race, and, and it really didn't matter in the end. But the reality is that convention and that delegate structure is so bogus and is run uh, afoul of the rules on purpose and has been run that way since 1964. Um, it is it, – it, unless we can – come together, libertarians, conservatives, uh, and others that are willing to uh, to listen and understand that the GOP establishment really does not have our best interest in mind. It's, in, it's about money, power, and control in their minds. And if we don't well, coalesce around each other and find ways to operate, we're in trouble. Well, and that brings us, you know, I don't know if you saw Politico today, and um, uh, uh, it was brought up by The Blaze, too, talking about uh, Boner throwing some emails around behind the scenes trying to get the exemption from Obamacare. It, it, and that shows you, too. And I, you know, To Harry Reid's office. To Harry Reid's office, yeah. And, and I want to see, and I know why a lot of the mainstream media is leaving this alone. We talked, you know, Clint brought it up earlier, is the fact that somebody's eventually going to ask the Reid sides of the comments and where that goes. And I don't think that the Reid uh, camp is ready to throw those out just yet. But it shows you that... They, this is the, the Speaker of the House, you know, one of the most prominent GOP members, if you will, elected officials. And, and he, he's playing ball and throwing a lot of people under the bus to make his life better. And that's not representing the people. That's representing your power. You know, I have something. To, the, the Tea Party, I think, if they're, if they're 10%, 11.5% of Congress right now, let's say they're 10% of the population, roughly, just a guesstimate, grassroots effort. And maybe a little, maybe a little larger than that. That group can really leverage the the conservative movement. Not, and when I say conservative movement, I'm not talking just about the Republican Party, but they can leverage the Republican Party in the fact that you take that 10 percent away, and now let's say you have a state that um, the, those electoral votes go to a, a true conservative instead of a Republican. Um, so maybe you have Texas, uh, Montana, some of these other groups, and you're pulling those electoral votes away from the Republicans. That Tea Party group can 
sure leverage that party um, and the conservative base as a whole to where, hey, you know what, if you don't want to have this conversation with us and you want to keep going down this road and maintain power, you will never have power again because we'll pull enough votes away, we'll pull enough delegates away, and you, Democrats can keep winning winning the electoral uh, the, the electorate. They can keep having the presidency. Because that's worked out so yeah. well so far. Yep. You, you may take the House, it, you may take the Senate because those are localized elections, but you're not going to win the presidency ever again. I think the Tea Party can leverage that all day long. Yeah, we learned so much when we were doing Moonstone. Uh, it was really amazing. We learned things like um, uh, Puerto Rico had 6,000 people participate in their caucus, 6,000, and, and that gave them eight delegates, eight. So what happens with these um, uh, establishment types, and it's happening right now as we speak, there have been representatives of some of the main establishment candidates going to Puerto Rico, going to Guam, going to some of the other places, uh, the, the, the Virgin Islands, where they can pull in, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve delegates, um, and they're making deals. And they're simply saying, look, um, all you've got to do is bring, you know, a few thousand folks to the caucuses, and, and, we'll, and we will walk away with these delegates. In exchange for that, we're going to give you all this stuff. And that's happening right now, right under our nose, getting ready for 2016. So, so when the primaries start and we're all battling it out and everybody's taking sides and, you know, slugging each other in the mouth and getting ready for the primaries, all the while some of this stuff's already baked in. They've already got delegates lined up. They've already done things that they needed to do. So we learned that. But one of the other things that we learned, just little tidbits of information that the American people don't know. Um, we learned, and I didn't know this, I've been in politics for, for three decades and never knew this, that, that – How are you still normal? State, yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> normal is all, all relative, right? Um, Obviously, you're uh, not normal. You're a conservative. Right. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. And, and we're going to talk about guns again in a minute, and then they're going to really shut us down. But, but <laughs> here's what we learned. We, we learned that the states – um, don't pick any of this. The, the states don't select the president, and the state doesn't select the vice president. In fact, the vice president nominee is not even selected by the candidate. In other words, Romney didn't, didn't pick. Technically, he did, but that's not the way it really works. Romney doesn't pick who his running mate is. The delegates pick that. So the delegates could have simply revolted and said, hey, we, we don't want Romney, or we don't want his selected running mate. We're going to nominate someone from the floor, and we're going to fight this out as a floor fight. It sounds far-fetched. It's happened before in this country. It's been a long time. It's happened before. But the, re the reality is that we are fed this line of bull by everyone who have us believe when these delegates go down there that it's already baked in and that, Romney or whoever's already the guy and that, you know, we've already got a, a vice presidential nominee. None of that is true. And with the place that we can fight and do most good for ourselves is in the, at the presidential level, that is, is in this nominating process. And that's what the libertarians and the Ron Paul folks did so well. They put a lot of delegates on that floor. And those delegates were smart, they were educated, they knew the rules, they were willing to stand up and fight. 
Now, uh, uh, Romney's chief lawyer, Ben Ginsburg, and some others flat out ran them over, but it's because they didn't have enough people from other camps that were educated. The, and this happens year after year after year, and then everybody looks at each other like, well, how did we nominate Bob Dole? Or how did we nominate John McCain? Or how did we nominate Mitt Romney? Well, the answer to that is they start four years in advance. They're out recruiting their delegate sets off in these territories. So they're, they're sort of adding – they've already got some of those in the can before we even start. Then they lie to everybody about what's happening with the RNC rules. They get in there. They nominate their guy. And then, you know, 20 million conservatives say, well, screw that. I'm staying home. I'm done. It's, it's well, in finding those 20 million conservatives, educating them, educating the, the libertarians and others that might see things our way, and then taking control on that floor. That's where the fight's going to come, and that's where we're going to win. But that would still leave a two-party system in place because basically then you'd have, you'd have the fight on that floor, and even if you get a conservative candidate on the Republican side, that infighting will repeat itself starting immediately, like you indicated, four years ahead of time um, to start for the next presidential cycle. So once they if, get if, agreed, but once they get once they are exposed, it's going to be much harder for them to to dominate this the way they've always done. Now again, this is about billions of dollars in consulting money. This is about yeah. money, power, and control. And they're not going to you know go quietly into that good night. They're they're going to fight and fight hard. But the reality is, if you if we go in there and we go in there well armed with with educated delegates, well armed with with um, a lot of educated delegates, then we have a chance to actually turn the tide and to and to make a difference and say, you know what, never again are we going to nominate someone that that will make 20 million of us stay home. You're going to have to find somebody else. You're going to have to compromise here and find and, and find that's another why, way to go. That's why I asked what happens if the Tea Party just says, you know what, we're, we're going to have our own convention. We're going to have the Tea Party convention, and we're going to have delegates from each state, and we're going to put up our own candidate. Well, I think I think something something close to that may happen. Uh, we, we at the Voters Trust certainly are going to look really hard. How how do we in advance of 2016 now? I'm not, I'm not in any way suggesting that 2014 ought to be overlooked because that's not true. We are going to engage and engage fully, and we're going to fight this thing out to get more United States senators that see things our way and to, and to reelect a bunch of these 30 Republican governors that are up in the next couple of years. But So we've got a lot of fighting to do. But when it comes down to 2015 and 2016, I promise you, that, that groups like ours are going to look really, really hard about how do they come together in advance before the primaries and shut down this nonsense where they're, where they're flat. You know, we split our votes among, you know, eight candidates and the establishment candidate walks in the door. Um, we're going to find a way past that, and we're going to find a way to make our, our voice heard, um, you know, whether it's, you know, if, if I or any one of us was able to walk into a, a room and, and represent, you know, a million votes in a state or, or you know, 20 million votes nationally, that's a voice that, that will be heard. 
And the only way that, that we can, in my view, that we can make a true difference right now is to, is to be creative, think out of the box, find a way to come together, educate each other, um, and, and move toward a, a semi-unified front that is not in a sort of a, a mutually assured destruction kind of a mode. Um, because you know the establishment, all they hope is that you know New kills Santorum, and then Santorum kills Perry, and Perry kills Botman, and so on and so forth. And, and they just kind of sit back and shrug their shoulders and kind of laugh when they come in third in Mississippi and Alabama, um, and because they know that it's already baked in and they've already got the numbers to make this thing work. Unless we and can fire back and find a way to alter that, we're in trouble. And that's why I really like your organization. You you really talk about you know getting the grassroots, getting the conservatives, getting people to come together. Your 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 rhetoric is one of coming together as opposed to dividing and conquering. And the rhetoric's not divisive at all. But it, I think that's that, why it may never work with the GOP. Yeah, that, but but that's again why I, why I bring up and and the more I think about it, the more I I kind of like the idea. And don't get me wrong, I definitely see the pitfalls of it. But I think. Most registered Republicans or most conservatives think and agree with what you're saying and what we're talking about now. I, I really do. Not the establishment as much because they are about power. That's where you have the, the boners and the, the, the uh, Graham, John McCain and the, McCain's the Grams and, and so forth. Uh, I don't know if John McCain's about power. But, uh, but it's I'm, all about diapers at this point. But. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about most uh, conservative people, I think, are like-minded, and I think that – especially with a group like yours, um, really gets off and gets people coming together. And, uh, again, again, I'm not saying there's not pitfalls with this, and something I've just kind of been mulling over very recently is I, I think you have a separate convention, uh, not you, but the conservatives leave the party and just have a separate convention and put up their own candidate. Um, I think that's they could, a powerful, they could have legs. I think that's a powerful Powerful you know, statement, and and now you're not playing the game at all. Yeah, now you you you're taking the the piece right out of the game board. Is you're not even giving it to them to play with. One of the first live shows I did, I did a test show when we were first talking about crossing over from the podcast to the live show, and I had um, a phone call from a Ron Paul delegate out of uh, Texas. We, no, it, it, I did a 30 minute test show. I think I had uh, I had Roos to help us out and listen. Um, just so to check the sound. That's all it was. And for whatever reason, did he call back? Because I was there when he called in and was talking. I think he called in later on. Okay. But one of the things that he talked about immediately, and I just let him go. I asked him, you know, uh, what it's like to be a delegate for somebody like Ron Paul versus the mainstream. And he was saying the amount of pushback that they got when they went to the convention, and it was just before the last presidential convention, was horrendous. Uh, I'm sorry, two conventions ago. And it was from the GOP. It was from the Republican, the mainstream Republicans. And they were almost bullied at the convention. They really, he realized quickly, he said, I know more about the Constitution and what half the delegates know and some of the people who are running for this stuff. And it showed you that he was a very educated libertarian who was chosen to be a delegate. He said, I, there were times that I felt like I was walking around a room full of idiots. And that's supposed to be the party representing conservatives in this country, it's disgusting. The Republican Party doesn't represent conservatives. They no, say they do, but I don't believe they do. the Republican Party. Exactly. And I think the other thing that – and I know why the left is – and we talked about this last week a little bit – why the left has been attacking the Tea Party so bad is 
I, we've talked before that we believe that if the Tea Party splits off from the GOP and does their own thing, then I think progressive Democrats are going to afraid that you're going to start seeing more blue dogs start to pop up, more traditional yep. Democrats, and they could have their own version of the Tea Party within, and that would split their vote out huge. And I, amazingly, I think that would catch on like wildfire quicker in the Democratic Party because I think a majority of the people are angry with progressives. I think a majority of traditional Democrats that still vote for progressive because they want to have that power. And, you know, it's almost like I'll just pick the guy that's going to win versus the guy that has principles. But I think if that leaked or started, you would see a quick runaway. And I think that if any Democrats are out there thinking about splitting away, talk to the few representatives that actually voted against Obamacare from the Democrats, and uh, that would be a good place to start maybe. Yeah, or or since they are fiscally conservative, some of them pull some of them to the conservative side of the table. Or independents. Yep. Well, the the other, I I guess – uh, piece that we're going to have to, uh, or that we're, we are going to be able to deal with, is uh, is this Obamacare piece. I mean, it's always it's always easier to recruit folks to your side if you have a major wedge issue. Um, and, and looking at the numbers of, of if you if you exclude from any of the, the polls um, the the really well known Democrats, if you just you know people that are going to vote left no matter what, and you just look at people sort of moderate to write, uh, in terms of a wedge issue, there, there maybe has been no greater wedge issue in the history of the world than this one. Um, and if we well, can't capitalize on this, then, you know, we, we screwed up. And just look at the last few days. I was tweeting about this earlier and then actually that was amused by it. I, I, I actually have a real, a real job. And, and part of that job is, uh, we, we run, uh, uh, healthcare fraud detection software. Um, we've been doing it for for quite a number of years, and and just looking at some of the um, noise in the system right now, as we call it, uh, in the fraud world, um, there's a lot of noise in the system. I'm telling you, this this Obamacare thing is going to be the biggest uh, uh, fraud event in the history of the United States, and it's going to fall right on these people. It's going to it's going to hit them. And we're going to start uncovering this stuff probably in the spring. Um, and as we move into the summer, it will begin to grow into a dull roar. And by the time we move into next fall's elections, all these people who are standing out for Obamacare and and um, and you know the, the vitriol on their side will grow quiet uh, because the one thing that America won't stand for is 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 fraud in these programs. And and, uh, well, and we we believe it's going to be huge. I, I think you're right, and that's a great segue into a break because when we come back, we want to talk about Obamacare. Um, I have some information from a, a healthcare attorney, somebody who's been doing it 15 years. He, that's his profession. He's done the orientations from Obamacare recently, and I want to talk about some of the issues that he brought up as well as some of the issues that you have uh, found recently in the last few days and where we think it's going. So we'll be back here. Phone number is 347-205-9399. The lovely Jessica's on the phone if you want to come in and talk to her. Um, <laughs> we'll be back here. Basically, it's Socko in a wig. <laughs> no, trust me, no. She doesn't have a good team. heels. <laughs> Socko is wearing the heels tonight, but that's not the point. We'll be back in a minute here on the Sackheads Radio Show. <laughs>
I'm Lori, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is Hillsdale President Dr. Larry Arne on how the founders view God as the source of our equality and legal rights. America's founders knew, obviously, that human beings are not equal in terms of strength or beauty or in terms of intelligence, industry, or talents. They understood that because of such differences, differences in talents and things like that, some people will be wealthier than others. But human beings are equal, the founders believe, in their possession of natural rights, such as the rights to life, liberty, and property. Today, many Americans reject this equality of rights in order to pursue equality of condition through redistribution or spreading the wealth around to use a famous formulation. This is destructive of liberty as the founders understood it. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.org. Hey guys, it's Sean from Sackheads Radio. I know, I know I've said it before. Check out our friends at conservativeoutcry.net, but I really mean it. You want interesting and exciting political commentary and analysis? That is the place to get it. Different, always spot on, always truthful, never pulling a punch. Conservativeoutcry.net. Tell Rooster to get Bulldog back on and that Sackheads Radio sent you. And also, coming soon, the Sackheads Radio Forum on conservativeoutcry.net. How you doing? John Grant here. When I'm not slaving over a hot microphone on the 405radio.com Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, I check out Sean and Clint here at Sackheads Radio. We all appreciate the best political bloggers, writers, and commentators. We either get them on our shows or we make fun of them, as it should be. So check us out live Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern or forever on the podcasts on the 405radio.com. Hi, this is Sarah Marie Brenner. You know, we often talk on the Brenner Brief about the fact that there really needs to be an organization to help people at the local level who are interested in running for things like school boards and council and other local offices. Well, I think I finally have the solution for you, at least for you women out there. It's called Political Network, P-O-L-I-T-I-G-A-L Network.com. Their website's going to be launching mid-August, but they're already on Twitter at PolitigalUSA. I encourage you to follow them and become a member. Their goal is to be the number one resource for conservative women. So if you love freedom, liberty, the United States of America, and politics, check out PolitigalNetwork.com or Twitter at PolitigalUSA. Now back to Clinton Sean on Sackheads Radio, radiating elegancy and quality. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're back here on the Sackheads Radio show. You know, the amazing conversations that Greg has and his insight that he brings on the air, the off-the-air conversations, we get caught in almost a whole segment, the three-minute thing, so I apologize, Craig, for call, cutting you off while we were talking off the air. <laughs> yeah, what I, what, I was, what I was trying to say was Harry Reid, the big pile of crap, is that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> steaming, steaming, steaming pile of crap. Which, which yeah. begs my next question, why do you keep coming back here? <laughs> Man, you, you, guys are the, you guys are the absolute best. I mean, this, this is great fun, and, and uh, you know, like you said, like the truth is if, if we can't all find a way to, to – you know, learn from each other and educate each other. And, and, you know, I have no idea where you guys are, you know, on, on all of the issues, but again, it, the, these, the bigger issues, the ones that really matter are the ones that we have to coalesce around 
and um, and sort of put put down the daggers and the knives and stop killing each other, come together in a meaningful way, and, and we can make a difference in this country. There's enough of us now. There's enough of us disgusted. There's enough of us willing to, you know, to uh, risk life and limb or anything else to stand up and and fight. And and it's it's truly ready to make a difference now in this country. And a couple things. One, you just painted a picture when you said we all need to put down the knives because I pictured a bunch of Republicans with like slicked back hair and black leather jackets <laughs> in an alley with like switchblades and chains. I, I, First thing, with I the, pictured it more like the Anchorman <laughs> fight. <laughs> <laughs> would be awesome. You right? know, a bunch of like greasers just all like going around fighting. Can you say greasers anymore? I, I can say I greasers right there. Is that a protected class? It's not a race, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you talked about, we talked about uh, Obamacare and it's one of the one of the kind of the issues um, in the whole, you know, partial partial shutdown. And uh, I agree with you. This is going to kick in. We're talking about a sixth of the U.S economy, which is a huge number. Um, but before we get into that, you made a statement earlier about um, Governor Perry making a statement about uh, Texas seceding, correct? Yes. And I, I, I've had this conversation before with with with, uh, with some friends, acquaintances or whatnot. I know Sean and I have discussed this before. I, I don't recall a, a time, and I have studied a lot of history, um, I don't recall a time where I've read source documents or or speeches or writings or anything where we've had that kind of outward talk about fr- from a duly elected official governor official of a state yeah. talking openly about secession. Where you we've had counties um, throughout the in in several different states, including what two now in California of all places Working that have voted that have voted to separate um, from their states and try and form a new state. I haven't. I don't recall a time in history other than like the 17, late 1760s, early 1770s, and then again maybe 1860-ish. And if you're familiar with history, which I know you are. You know what happened during during each of those times. I don't recall another time like that. Am I missing something here? No. Uh, in Governor Perry's case, uh, uh, a lot of people felt like he was. You know, just sort of popping off and 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 making jest of a difficult situation, which which he was uh, actually referring to at that moment. But but uh, and I'm you know not authorized, and he's way above my pay grade. Uh, uh, to, and I'm certainly not speaking for Governor Perry. But what's interesting, I, I am from Texas, and what's interesting about the state of Texas historically is it was the only state in the union who reserved the right to. Um, to become its own nation again if they ever decided to. Um, so when yep. they said, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll be a state or we'll be part of the United States and not a republic any longer, and they reserved that right to go back out. And, and I think what, what Governor Perry was, was saying, you know, much more artfully than I, is, look, we, we just can't do this anymore. We can't. We can't, you know, he, he's not willing to watch the Californias and the New Yorks and the Michigans and, and some of these other places uh, do the things that they're doing, disregard the Constitution. And, and you know, the truth is um, Texas, Texas is Texas, you know, 25 million people. And I think we've got four of the, four of the 11 biggest cities in the country in Texas. And, 
And uh, Governor Perry was just expressing what millions and millions of Texans believe that that the rest of the country is just these these knuckleheads are just are, are just dragging us down. Obviously, the likelihood of it ever happening is is nil or or none. But but I think that the point was well taken, and and it certainly um, you know raised a lot of cheers from a lot of conservatives in Texas who like me are just, you know, sick and tired of, of watching what the other states are doing. You know, we've got a great gig going in Texas, right? I mean, we've got, you mm-hmm. know, we've got jobs, we've got uh, energy, we've got, you know, one of the biggest economies in the world. Um, we're, a lot of resources. great things are happening. In, resources, a lot Country of great music. things are happening in Texas. But, but you know what? We still have to deal the with all, baseball, all the nonsense. You guys are nailing it. Yeah. yeah. Sean just said, with the exception of baseball, you guys are nailing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the Cowboys, I don't know. Maybe we can. I wonder if we, if we ever do succeed, I wonder if we can just give the Cowboys to Oklahoma or something. Hey, you, know, no, you know what? Don't give them. Don't give them anywhere to California. We don't want them. You know, I saw one of the best tweets about the Cowboy, and somebody said, "What's the safest place? Where's the safest place to go in a tornado?" And somebody said, "Cowboy Stadium. There's never a touchdown there." <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, you know, I just found it interesting that that not only are you having, you know, comments from from Governor from you know the Governor Perry, but also these these votes from counties and so forth. And there's little talks about it here and there before you would, you wouldn't hear elected officials uh, talk that way unless it was like Berkeley or San Francisco or something crazy like that wanting to join the USSR. Or, I don't know whatever the hell they're talking about. Discount. Yeah, but, <laughs> no but uh, I, I found that interesting. Um, apologize for that little deviation, but I want to get in, into Obamacare, which. For our listeners and anyone on hold, we're going to go a few minutes old, over because we had that technical difficulty. Um, so Just say the NSA shut us down, Sean. The NSA. Seriously, we heard they, the helicopter. They're going to do it again. Do it we again. saw the spotlight. Okay. Uh, we saw the red dot on your chest, which was really weird. It wasn't Stocko your face blackout paper. mode. Let's go. Yeah. Switch to infrared. <laughs> so let's get into Obamacare. I don't want to get into Obamacare. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with Obamacare. I like my doctor. Well, you I know, keep it. One of the biggest things that's starting out right now is McAfee tweeted out um, earlier this week is uh, the guy who did the McAfee antivirus and all that is that it is going to be a hacker's, quote, wet dream because so much of it is based online and, and all your personal information is going to be Wait, so wet dreams are really good, though, right? So is he saying it's going to be really good? Yeah, for the hackers. To be oh, able got to it, for the hackers. Information. For the Democrats. And one of the places I wanted to start when we were talking about this is those are hacks. The the Federal Data Services Hub, which is that sounds much, really awesome. It's going to be the database of the United States person that will use to facilitate the government backed Affordable Care Act. That sounds awesome. What's the problem? Well, it's built by the IRS. That sounds great. And Health and Human Services. Uh huh. That's perfect. Listen to where all your data will be. Access a secure you. government server, probably you, protected by the NSA. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It combines all your data on income, employment, and IRS, health and entitlements from HHS records, identity from Social Security, your citizenship from Homeland Security records, criminality records from the DOJ, residency records. Also involved and will have access, though it's not explained how or why, is uh, DOD, Department of Defense, Department of Veterans Affairs, Office of Personnel Management, and the Peace Corps, as well as state medicaid medicated. You know what I bet is also going to be included in there? Mark my words. 
is uh, Department data, of Education data from eTrace. All your gun data, which yeah. they're not supposed to keep. But anybody, if you don't know what eTrace is, Google eTrace and see what pops up. And then cry a little bit. And then cry a, little, a lot bit. So this is all your information that will go to this one database. It can be accessed by all these different agencies. So now you're going to have, and I am not a computer person, so excuse me if my terminology may be wrong. But now you're going to have all these different open interfaces that are all potential points to be hacked. Hang on. Does that make sense, Sako? Did he just speak English to you? Yeah. Okay, okay. good. So, Steve, Sako, keep, we, just, we have to fact check with our resident expert. I, I keep looking over at Sako like head, head shake or no. Yeah, am because I right to me, yes, that just up. sounds like some alien technology, and I'm just looking at you saying, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I don't know what you just said. The information for, this, uh, for the Federal Data Services Hub will be collected by these navigators, these people you've heard about. So they've had background checks. They're... No, they, yeah, they're they're right. They're great. They're Homeland Security people. They're gonna like they're sworn, so they're gonna like protect us and our information. I'm looking for the name, but there was a, co a private company that actually has been charged with fraud by the government for who won the bid to pretty much head up the navigators. Um, and, and this is the information I received uh, from the attorney I talked about earlier at an Obamacare orientation as to how this will go down. It's going to be really smooth. Yeah, so these navigators who the background checks are going to be ridiculously minimal, if any. Hang on a second. Why are they called navigators? Because It's because there's so much bullshit to wade through. You have to have somebody else <laughs> navigate you right, your way through it. Is that not a problem in and of itself? <laughs> you would like to think so. Navigator. Um, here we go. It's a company called... Seedco, Seedco, Sedco, and they're going to be the ones who run this navigator program, and they're out on the East Coast somewhere. It doesn't matter. They're going to screw us anyways. But so they're getting all this money from Obamacare. Um, your information will be maintained in the system for individual applicant enrollees. That sounds lovely. Uh-huh. Um, and here's what you will need, uh, they can access from it. Name, date of birth, mailing address, social security number, taxpayer status, gender, ethnicity, residence, email, and telephone number. Also, citizen status, uh, whether you're enrolled in what program, how much, or why, if you've ever been incarcerated. I don't know why that should matter. Well, because if you've been incarcerated, you've probably been like anal butt slammed at some point. You may have some kind of medical issue as a result that they're going to need to take care of. Oh, you meant, they meant prison. I thought they just meant uh, uh, by the Democrats. Oh, um, no, that's, what, that's who did it in, to you. Your Indian status, enrollment for employment-sponsored coverage, request for documentation to justify receipt of individual responsibility for exemptions, whether or not you qualify for the Obamacare exemptions, your employer information, your status as a veteran. This is all information that can be gathered by these people about you who have no background checks, by the way. This is before they're gathering this information before it even makes it to the hub. So there's this person that's going to have all this personal information about you, and I'm not done yet. Your limited health status information, whether or not you've been pregnant, blindness, disability status, so on and so forth, household income, Social Security, they'll check Social Security, all that stuff. All that information will be gathered by somebody who hasn't had a proper background check working on behalf of the government so that you can access Obamacare. At a private company. At a private company. Doesn't that frighten the hell out of you? My first question is, does it violate HIPAA? Because you're being required to give health information to somebody not in the medical 
field. I mean, I understand it's for insurance purposes, but mm. isn't it to go to a hub for the purposes of determining benefits? No, because I think they're insurance? I think they're because they're acting on behalf of. Uh, but they're not acting on behalf of an insurance company, right? They're acting well, on no, behalf they, of the government. I think they would be because they will disseminate. They're supposed to be assisting and disseminating this information to insurance. It's supposed to be folks with one word. Well, it's spelled S P O S to be. To be right. I don't know how hard that is. It's easy. I was People just translating English. Um, so, your all this information now will be on the web. And let's face it: if China and Iran can hack our most sensitive of computer systems. And we've had regular hackers hack military websites and military systems. This will all be online. This is just a gold mine waiting to happen for look, a hacker. Is, but if you think about it, it's actually financial security, right? Because China has – you're laughing already. And you think I'm going to be ridiculous. Because you are. Here look, it comes. Look, hang on. Hear me out here. So we already talked about that uh, the Asian market, 60% of their $5 trillion is held in U.S. dollars, right? So if we default – or we can't pay them back, they can simply access our database and commit ID theft on all of our behalf to get their money back. What's the problem with that? Well, and even more so, when we say we don't have the money to pay them back, they know exactly how much money we all have, <laughs> and they'll be like, no, you do, actually. You, ooh, I'm a little, we're a little short this week. We can't pay you back. Um, yeah, so that's like the first thing that jumped out on me that that is – Jumped out at me, sorry. You said on you. I, I know. Um, well, it, it sort of did when I read it because I couldn't believe what I was reading. So that, to me, is one of the biggest threats to your personal security from this. And we could talk about the fact that uh, um, things you speak about with your doctor will now be able to be accessed by the government. Yeah. Like that. Look, but, we, we've we've had we all we've we've had those discussions ad nauseum and. We're to a point now. I mean, let's look at implementation. It, it started yesterday, um, and and uh, Greg, feel free to, to to help us out on this, please. Um, there have been problems across the United States. Uh, what the, the news anchor tried to go on to show people how twenty five minutes before she gave up. Yeah, she got timed out on her web page. Tried calling the phone number. Was on twenty five minutes. So I think she was into it thirty five or forty minutes. Finally said, Yeah, if I was trying to do this myself, this is the point where I'd reach maximum frustration or whatever she said. And Greg brought up a point earlier where he talked about, um, Greg, you said where this is going to build in frustration and we're going to carry it over uh, to next fall. You're just going to see this tidal wave. But is it too late at that point? You know, it may be too late for those of us that, that are, you know, caught up in one of these fraud schemes or have our information stolen or, or uh, uh, misused or used for an impermissible purpose or whatever it is that they do. Look, this thing was open for 24 hours. First thing we found out was that California lied. First they said there were 5 million uh, hits on their website, um, and then they were called on that. And, and believe me, I, I run several pretty significant websites in this space, and I know every single day how many hits I've got. Uh, on my website, and they first they said five million, and that now they've revised it down to what six hundred and fifty thousand. So which is right. it, five million or six hundred fifty thousand? So the one thing we know is that the numbers are so the, close. Yeah, I mean it's just that they dropped the zero or something. I'm not sure what they did, but, but the the reality is that that we now know after 24 hours they're willing to lie. 
So let's let's get that out on the table. The second thing that we know happened was that they hired these these, these known fraudsters to be their navigators. Um, yeah. Uh, it is uh, at, at least in the case of uh, of down south, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas, the the navigator program is being run by by the person that was in charge of Acorn for the area. So so now we've got Acorn involvement in in the area. The next thing we found out was that up in Minnesota, that 2,400 of these cases were accidentally sent from one of the navigators uh, in an unencrypted file to the wrong person. So they sent 2,400 people's names and public and private information out to out to whomever. Um, and then the then I I just couldn't stand it anymore yesterday. So I just went and got on the phone and I started calling the Obamacare hotline and started asking questions. Like when the first question I asked was. How can I get my Obamacare? And the first answer was, well, it's not called Obamacare, but this is where you get it, and I can sign you up right now. And I said, okay, I want you to sign me up right now. And she said, well, we've got to find out how much this is going to cost. And I said, wait, I, you told, I, I heard on the news that this was free. And she said, oh, no, this, this is not free. This is going to cost you. And, and I said, well, how much is it going to cost me? And she said, quote, well, I'm not sure, but I think we'll be able to let you know before you have to start paying in January. And I, to which I said, well, is it like $5 or $10 or what? She said, no, um, based on your age, sir, it will probably be, it will probably be you know, several hundred maybe six or seven hundred dollars and i said six or seven hundred dollars a year she said no a month and i said this is the most expensive free program i've ever heard of and she said <laughs> and she said she said to me she said well sir i know a lot of people think that but it's really important to be healthy so we're going to sign you up today and I said, I, I don't have that kind of money. I, I just, I, I don't have, you know, thousands of dollars that I that I can spend on all this stuff. Because the truth is, if I don't have, I just said, I don't have insurance now. And if I get sick, I'm just going to the hospital. I'm just going to the emergency room, and they have to take care of me. She said, Well, they're not going to be able to take care of you anymore. And I, and I said, <laughs> To which I said, Well. Isn't that the law? Aren't they compelled to, to take care of me? And, and I don't think the Obamacare changed that. She said, well, I don't know much about that, and you sound very difficult, sir, so goodbye. And she hung up on me. That was, that was my first of my four calls. So it was, uh, it was a rather amusing day for me. Well done. Wow, that is just – you know what? I'm glad that helper was there to help you in need. Um, and to help you navigate your way through a very – stressful situation we were going to call right. the show but we're we're already running out of time well you know let's see how long we'll call in the first segment of the next show and see how long we have to sit on hold um one of the uh, uh you brought up the amount of money and my uh, a, a close friend of mine who his job has already said to him and he's the same attorney that got me this information hey, we're probably going to cut your personal health care. What we're going to do is it's cheaper for the employer to pay um, the employer 
uh, penalty for not providing the health care, and we're going to subsidize, I think it's something like $14,000 a year to help make up for the money, and we're still going to save half as much money than we would be if we went through just regular insurance. So just so you know, that's probably going to happen. And, oh, by the way, you don't qualify for any subsidy from the government, so you're going to have to pay full boat. As a result, he did the math. It's going to cost him an extra $350 a month to maintain the insurance that the president said, you're going to be able to keep your insurance. Well, he is keeping his insurance. He's just going to pay a hell of a lot more. Well, the president didn't say he wouldn't be paying a hell of a lot more. He just said he'd be able to keep his insurance. But I said that's an amazing form of redistribution, if you will, because now it's costing you more money. You're paying more money into the system because you've been successful. Are you suggesting that this is a redistribution of wealth? You are such a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) This president, when has he ever wanted to redistribute wealth? Well, I I mean, other than that time. That that, that one time. That one time. I I went and um, I I have my own insurance. I'm I'm an individual on my plan. I actually... I pay right now $50 a week for my insurance, and I have great insurance. I cannot complain. My co-pays are very reasonable. My insurance is very good. I'm very happy with it. But I went online to – Through your – Through your Through, your other through my life. job, yeah. yeah. My other life. That's a good way of putting it. I went online today in the California one to see what it would have cost Were you me. able to get through? Um, well, I went online, and after several attempts, I was actually able to get the website to work. So that each attempt probably counted for a hit. Right. So that's – that's possibly where the difference is right. between the 500,000 so 650,000 the... <laughs> actually got through, but in order for that 650,000 to get through, they had to try a collective 5 million times. Well, you you know me. When I have to wait for a website, I just keep clicking and right. refresh, and so that's you what I did for one million of those hits. Um, <laughs> I'm the problem. Okay. Now we know. <laughs> but I went through and I did the math, and I went through the whole program. It would cost, A, I make too much money for any subsidy, which is laughable. Because um, I am by no means uh, uh, making excellent money, uh, I am below middle class pretty much, and I didn't qualify for a subsidy. And if so, in order to go on the Obamacare program, it's going to cost me another hundred and fifty dollars a month for the minimal plan that's not even as good as the one I have now, just to enter through the door. Ridiculous copays, ridiculous deductibles through the roof. And I got the warning letter last week that my my full-time job is considering cutting benefits. So I, I was blown away. And somebody said, well, you know, it's based on the federal pro- poverty line. And I said, how can this be based countrywide on the federal line? Aha. Aha. Therein lies the argument. Yes. This is why federal programs, the federal government is supposed to be small and limited because each individual state and area has its own individual Thank problems. You. And that's why it should be at that level. And so when people bring up Romney care, it was done at the state level, not and in violation of the Constitution. My, my immediate comment was, well, how can – if I live in San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles or Why would you live city, in any of those places? I'm just bringing up a point. Okay. If I happen to live there for work. You scared me. I would be so far below the average poverty line there to live in those cities. Not live near those, live in those cities. Mm-hmm. Whereas – if I drive an hour from where we are now down to Los Banos or Bakersfield, the poverty line is much lower. Well, it would take you an hour to get to get out of the silo in this underground bunker that we're I meant once I got once, you're once I got into the underground train we built. Okay, so it would take me a while. Okay. But 
the poverty line within an hour of here is so dramatically different that how can we have a federal standard with when within one hour it varies, I would say, almost 25%. It's a redistribution. Because if we're all on this high level, those of us who well, even, even here... Even it's not a redistribution, it's a problem because the federal government is not set up or designed or capable right. of fixing something but it at is, that level. But it is a redistribution because the people who live in those bigger cities who make too much money, even though it's not a lot in those cities, they make too much money for a subsidy, are now paying a lot more while the folks who are living in the uh, in these in farmlands and areas where the cost of living is much lower, but right? if you thought this program was a good idea at all, which I do not, but even if a state enacted it, a state would know what its limits are and exactly. what those areas are and be able to act accordingly. And that's why I really like the conservative idea of, of being able to engage in competition and buy insurance across state lines. Well, and there is a great plan out there. Uh, I heard on the radio the other night, and it, it, they call it a concierge doctor service. And, Greg, I don't know, have you heard about this before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of folks are doing that. You pay a certain amount of money up front to a doc, and they guarantee you to see you in a certain period of time. They guarantee you'll get reports from them. You'll get all sorts of things from them. And, and a lot of people I know are just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do that. It makes more sense to me. And and uh, you know forget all the the insurance and everything else and I'll I'll, I'll buy catastrophic insurance but I'll take mm-hmm. care of everything else with these docs and that, and it's happening every single day you know what what frightens me the most is that, that and again I, I'm involved with a company that detects healthcare fraud I can tell you that Medicaid and Medicare the two programs that are already in place spending a trillion of our dollars every single year. Uh, are are just fraught with fraud. I mean, it is just it, it is rampant in the system. Depending on who you talk to, the estimates range from from six percent to twelve percent. Let's just say that it is six percent. So we're losing sixty billion dollars a year in those programs alone. And now we're going to go and we're going to create a whole new program that's going to bring in all these additional millions of people. What it's really going to do is create an additional set of of, of fraudsters in the system. And in this case, we don't even have to be sophisticated to catch these guys. We're going back to fraud 101. All people are going to do is say, I make zero income. They're, not yep. going to, they're never going to admit what they make because no one will ever, they, they have no real way to check it at this point. Well, name one program is, that they've done that. I mean, other than the Obama phone and never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it's exactly. going to force people to do, too? It's going to force people, mostly in a lot of tradesmen and things like that, to go and work completely under the table. And you're, now you're starting to create an actual hazardous situation because they have to keep all their things low. They may start cutting corners on safety to save some money. And they're not paying their taxes. and all. So now the, the, the money that they should be paying is not getting paid into the federal system. And... and things of that sort. So they're almost forcing people to have to do it that way because that carpenter who may not own the company and he only makes X amount of dollars a year has to do side work under the table in order to buy health care for his family because his boss or his company has now gotten rid of it because it's too expensive. So, Greg, how does how does the, how do the conservatives um, leverage or maximize this in, in the, the upcoming um, 
uh, midterms and then into into the 2015-2016 uh, campaign cycle? Well, I, I think I think much of it is information. I mean, we, we've already seen this coming out today. We went through several of the, the fraud schemes, some of the, the leakage of data and all of this. As this begins to pile up on them, they're going to have to do something. I heard some one of the stupid commentators on MSNBC or one of those shows today saying, what are the Republicans going to do when this thing works? And, <laughs> and it, it's absolutely laughable. I mean, what, what's really going to happen here is that people like me are going to be gathering information on these programs, um, and we're going to be calling the Obamacare bat phone, and we're going to be having these really interesting conversations with people, and we're going to learn an awful lot about this program. So by the time the election comes around, we're going to absolutely body slam these people with this stuff. And, and, uh, and I think it's about gathering the information, keeping it tight, keeping it within each other, um, and, and, and pushing it out there at the right times. Uh, we're, we're already planning several really um, an interesting set of ads that we're going to be running um, as we go into the fall and into the spring. So um, I can imagine that everybody else is thinking about doing it too. But, uh, but, but for us, we do it for fun. I think they do it to, you know, maybe for some other more meaningful purpose. But, um, but I, think, uh, I think Obamacare is going to be uh, possibly uh, uh, Obama's water list. So is it, uh, is it, is it worth uh, the Republicans holding the fight on this? I, w- I would hold the fight if I was in. They have absolutely nothing to lose. When these first polls start coming out here, you're going to see this is not, not, not 1995 anymore, that we're all educated, we're smart, um, you know, we understand that this is a, a, a bit of an Alamo and that we may not win here. Uh, but, but sometimes, you know, standing on principles is important. As Nick, Nick Saban said here recently, uh, being right is never wrong. And, and, uh, and that's, that's where we find ourselves. Hey, uh, just so you know, um, Rooster Conservative Cry wants to know if he can uh, help you write some of the scripts for your ads. <laughs> I can promise you it's very catchy, very fast. <laughs> tell, tell, tell him he can do some of the web ads. <laughs> I, I am now actually excited to see some of those <laughs> when they come out. <laughs> hey, we only have a few minutes left, and I know we went long um, because the NSA shut us down at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> what well, they did <laughs> and we're going to wrap Greg tell everyone again about Voters Trust and, and how they can get involved and, and how they can help please uh, just go to VotersTrust.com uh, there's a little form to sign up uh, with there uh, we're going to be launching sometime in the next week or so a much more robust website um, <laughs> we have thousands and thousands and thousands of conservatives who have already signed up uh, we're in the uh, process of raising some money from uh, some wealthy Americans uh, to keep the burden off of the folks. We are building a sustainable, conservative ground game that we're going to implement uh, our first efforts in five states in 2014 and will be nationwide in 2016, and we will make a difference. All right, Greg, thank you so much. We're looking forward to it. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. We have uh, Rooster on hold. We do have Rooster on hold, and Greg, you're more than welcome to stay. It's, we're only going to be a couple minutes. And uh, Rooster had an interesting story today. And Rooster, no, I made we don't that have up, time John. to play. I made it completely oh, up. It was a joke. Well, then, well, come on. 
<laughs> Look, I'm upset. Well, then I'm, I'm upset you should be upset. because I gave you the, 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 the greatest show clip of all time in my comparison of Obamacare to my, my days of the Marine Corps last week, and I didn't hear that clip played this week. I, I'm sorry. We had a ton of clips. We didn't play any this week. I have ten lined up that I was going to play. But, you know, we're a little long-winded on this show, hence why we're already 11 minutes over our regular time. That's not true. We played the Ghostbuster Harry Reid We did play. And we're going to end the show again with that. Which was awesome. That was one of the funniest things that I've ever done in my life, and I'm going to play that repeatedly in my head. Um, Greg, you're doing a a great job. Um, Rooster is signed up under his real name. Thank you, (laughs) Rooster. <laughs> Just don't and, and divulge it to anybody. You're you're operating ever. as a five oh one C four. I expect not to be divulged. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we 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 don't divulge. We do a lot of other things, but we don't divulge. And 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 uh Clint, uh I uh, I hope you are okay with this. I signed up the Sackheads militia for an E Trace account. Um they, <laughs> they said that they would get back to me. Uh, I had to fill out. I, I, I used your name. No, that's that's perfectly that's okay. Listen, that explains sure, the glitches at the beginning of the show. Yeah, make sure a copy goes to the California DOJ. Um, listen, and the United hey, Nations. Hey, one, one thing you guys and, didn't and hit on. Here's, here's something first. about Obamacare people don't know. That I, I went on Maryland's site, and I have I have good insurance well, now, well, and I don't well, think it's going that. away. But. Uh, Oh, Maryland is a state. I thought you meant Maryland. Never mind, whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me go with this. Right. You don't get the subsidies unless you go with the government program. Did you know that? Right. Yeah, yeah. I did know that. And that's something that a lot of people are finding out the hard way. They thought they'd get the subsidies to keep their own. They could stay outside the government, but the government would pay the subsidy as long as you prove the fi- uh, uh, your financial burden. And that's not the case. You have to absolutely be part of the government program to qualify, and that's something that's getting ducked quite a bit by the media. I, I you know, honestly, and, and we're going to have to do this on another show. Um, you read my article, uh, probably the one where I called yes. myself a rhino, which which I'm not, but um, <laughs> I don't. The team. I, I I think give give it to them. Just give well, it to them we'll, and make them, make them own it. Well, they're going to own it no matter what. Yeah, they already own it. They already own it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they own it. And I think it's really quickly going to uh, – you, you're going to see some of them walk it back real soon. It's Bush's fault. It's all going to be Bush's fault. Fortunately, though, a lot of them are on record. All right, got to cut the show. Rooster, thank you so much. I'm sorry you were on hold for so long, bud. Thank you, Rooster. Uh, I just listened. Have a good night. <laughs> Take you care, too. buddy. Go to Maryland's website. (laughs) Greg, thank you again for joining us this evening. We'll have to have you on yet again when the ads start rolling out. And honestly, whenever you want, because you're a great guest and a lot of fun to have. Thank you so much for your insight. Guys, all the best. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Greg Phillips from com. Sir. Thank you very much for a wonderful show. Thank you. Uh, Sean from Sackheads Radio. Yes. Sacco from Sackheads Radio. Jessica from Sackheads Radio, and I am your host, Clint.
Flint from Sackheads Radio. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. We'll see you next Wednesday night. No, no, no. We're not going to see them. We're oh, a radio no. show. No, we're doing a video cast. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So I'll go got the camera set up, and it's not going to happen at all. I'm just trying um, to draw people in. But we're, yeah, you'll hear it. We'll hear you. Right. Or, Talk to you, or we should do a video on our new mascot, with and your, just have that be on. We could do like you stream, and just have it be on the ice mascot. cream. Yeah, we all stream for ice cream. I don't know what that even is. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Socko, is that a real thing? Socko says no. <laughs> You're a liar, and that just proved it. Ice cream is fake. We will see. <laughs> play our outro. We'll see Let's you next Wednesday night. Read you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Well, what do you mean, biblical? To issue a shutdown statement, and she's done that. What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. This memorandum falls. Unfortunately, we don't have any indication that Congress will act in time for the President to sign a continuing resolution before the end of the day tomorrow, October 1st, 2013. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies, rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. That's what she said. Agencies of government are in the process of closing down. It now appears that the House is not going to do anything to keep the government from shutting down. They've got some jerry-rigged thing about going to conferences. It's, 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 Madam President, it is embarrassing that these people who are elected to represent the country are representing the Tea Party, the anarchists of the country, and the majority of the Republicans in the House are following. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria! Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.